Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. I'm your co-host, Erin Todd. I'm a writer and an intuitive eater. And I'm your co-host, Charlie Castle, registered dietitian and exercise physiologist. We're here to help you discover whole health for your mind, body, and soul. That's right. Our goal is to embody scripture, ditch dieting, and live on purpose. Woo! Woo! Yes, girl. Welcome back to the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast. Today, we're talking with Jessica Hoddle, and she's going to share about finding freedom in spirit, soul, and body. Jessica Hoddle is a faith-based fitness coach, a podcast host, a best-selling author, and a speaker with a heart for teaching women how to dismantle the lies that keep them from healing and wholeness. Jessica is the author of Own Your Worth, A Worthy Wife, and Know Your Worth. She's the host of What's the Truth, a show where she challenges the way her listeners think so that they can change the way they live. Before we jump into this conversation with Jessica today, as a reminder, this program is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Our aim is to introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating and help you see how those principles align with scripture so you can improve your relationship with food, your body, and God, and cast out dieting for good. Good morning, Jessica. We're so glad you're here with us today. I'm really excited to uh, to get to know you a little bit better. And um, our way that we love to do that and to let the listeners get to know you better is to just kind of dive into your God story and your food story and explore where those intersect a little bit. So could you take us back to uh, to childhood? Did you Did you grow up in church? No, I didn't actually. So I didn't find Jesus until about 22. And I'm 33 now at the time of this recording. So you could probably say that most of my life I spent searching for something that I didn't know I was searching for. And that means that everything else then filled it. So it started with men first. So men kind of filled this hole, this pain, this longing to be loved, to be seen and to be heard. And then it turned into business like putting all of who I was into finding my identity and worth into business. And it's kind of coincided with then food and my body because my business was fitness. Mm -hmm. So I was personal training. I had a studio in my house in the basement and I was uh, teaching group fitness classes at a college and I had my own, you know, online fitness business. And so those both kind of came about together a little bit more strongly. Pretty much the same time I found Jesus was the same time I started my business and started this search for outward appearance and finding some kind of value in food and what my body looked like. Oh, I know we can both relate to that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Oh, for so sure. the timing of that, though, is just so interesting. I think um, I came to faith a little bit later in life as well. So I think um, even, you know, even if you didn't, even if you knew Jesus growing up, I think what we've heard, the, the thread that's really been going through a lot of the conversations we've had with guests so far is looking or this external thing to mm-hmm. fill that internal hole. Do you have like a way to describe that like language that the, maybe the Lord gave you or you just used to think about what like how would you describe that? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it stems from what you didn't get in at home. So maybe there was not attention, maybe there wasn't love. And so when we feel out of control, meaning there, we don't feel like there's love or anything like that, food and fitness is something that makes us feel in control because it's something that we choose to do ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. We choose the food, we choose the workouts, and therefore what feel out of control at home or what didn't I didn't get, well, I'll just get myself, right? I'll pursue that thing myself because I can control this thing. And so that's kind of this false illusion that we have, which is why we turn to all these other things, because we think that if we add one more thing to our plate, then I'll finally feel like I'm loved, seen, and heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I'm thinking about your, you're sharing this, like 
it's almost like you just knew that you could control your food and your exercise. Like you just knew that and you just knew that that would bring worth and value, which just speaks volumes to what our culture is teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One saying you can control your body and two saying control your bo- controlling your body makes you worthy of love, acceptance, mm-hmm. and being yeah. heard. No, that's true. And I think we don't know that we're controlling it because the thing that's actually controlling it is the pain that we have. Mm-hmm. So the control is the fruit, but the pain is the root, right? And so we we go into this idea that's like, okay, well, if I can do this, then finally somebody will notice me. Somebody will finally think I'm worthy, good enough. Look, look at how well I fasted. Look at how well my body looks. Because the thing about it is when we see even competitors come off the stage, they have their bodies because they're afraid of what people are going to say because they gain more fat, so to speak, than what they were on the stage. And it completely ruins them mentally because we chase for one thing and realizing that we're held up by other people's opinions, right? Oh, your body looks so good. You lost weight, but you don't know that they might've been struggling with an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. So what happens is we hold those comments, whether good nor bad, and we elevate them above God's truth. And we don't even realize that this control we're trying to take is actually the pain that we feel inside. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's so interesting. The control. So, okay. In your mind, then the control is perpetuating the pain, right? Am yeah. I, am I understanding that? All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. When yeah. we lack, yeah. When we lack something inside, we want to search for it outside, right? If, if I'm right. feeling disconnected with my husband, I might grab my phone. So the phone is actually just the fruit of, of a response of what's going on inside. Mm-hmm. Right. That's how I view things. Yeah. 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 I totally resonate with that. So what was the pain that was the root for you? I think just growing up in a home where, uh, you know, I say this now because a lot of healing had to take place, but of not like seeing my, my, the physical abuse with my dad and my mom and the emotional abuse with my mom. And I think that they loved me the best that they could, but it wasn't a house that said, I love you. You're so great. Not in the way that's like, you know, let's just pump her up, even though she's not great at this, you know, it was, you never heard the words that like, Hey, you're going to be able to do this. Like you're going to, you know, you're going to be able to dream and wish you didn't hear. I'm sorry. You just heard plates or yelling or cuss words. And I would often hide in the closet or just never want to be home. Mm-hmm. And so you can do that either one of two ways. You can find it like I did in men in something else or like my brother did with drugs and alcohol. Um, and those are all coping to think that, well, if I can just run away and you don't know it in those seasons, we don't know that we're coping until we get through and go, oh, so that's why I'm always so passionate about helping women be aware in the moments in their feelings because it's just indicators. And so that's why I get passionate about it. Cause for so many years, I just carried anger, bitterness, all these things thinking, well, this is the right thing to do, but it was only hurting me and causing me to turn to something else. So we think that when we run from it, it's helping us, but it's actually hurting us. Yeah. I think it's so important always to point out, like people are coping with life the best they know how, like, no one is purposely doing a bad job, right? Like no one's purposely doing that. Everybody is using the skills they have, the skills that they know um, to do what they can to cope with life. And that's why you see a lot of disordered eating and exercise habits in really young kids Mm -hmm. because what they take into their body is something they have control over. Yeah. Um, so that's often something you see in with kids in abusive situations. Yeah. Um, and we see it later in life as well. And just like you said, you know, sometimes you cope with dieting and exercise and that's praised. And other people might cope with drugs and alcohol and that's not praised. Um, and, you know, it's that's why you really, like you said before, we really need to be careful and probably not comment on somebody's weight loss or what they look like because you don't know what mm-hmm. um, is leading to that, what the root is of that going on. Yeah. Um, so I just, I love that you have that insight um, that we're all just coping the best that we know how. And as we become more aware of our feelings and our experiences and what we're going through, then we start to notice those 
uh, red flags or those, you know, our, our body alerting us to, hey, something's not right here. And then we can ask the questions of what am I really feeling? What's what am I really trying to get after here? Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you did a lot of that in your journey. Oh, yeah. And and I think that we have to realize part of our character, I mean, character is really formed by what we see as well. What is the people that we're around, we do become because we cannot be more than who we're around, right? And I mean, we can, but then we end up leaving those people, right? Because we're growing and maturing and all those things. But as as children, we don't know what is right or wrong because we're looking to our caregiver to tell us what's right or wrong. And if that caregiver isn't telling us or we they're fighting or whatever, we take it on ourselves to say, what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. Because we can't look at our caregivers as being bad people because mm-hmm. they're taking care of us. How how can I go against them? Because then what will happen? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Survival much of our character is did it freeze a little Am I okay because yeah. you guys both froze <laughs> yeah no no but just go okay. back a couple seconds to what you're saying okay. about the caregivers uh so with the caregivers we don't want to look at our caregivers as being bad people and i think that's why with children they're being formed and we're seeing our parents what they do what they don't do and we don't even realize it so when often i t- well, work with women about weight loss and stuff they might have saw their mom constantly talking about her gene size and then indirectly thinking why well, have to be worried about that or we see the fast food takeout all the time you know, the overweight. And then we assume this is who I'm going to be. So it's that character formation that we form at such a young age and that we take it with us. And that's something that, you know, for me, people would say, well, Jess, you just need to eat a Snickers. You're just so thin. And they probably mean it with their best intention. But what happens with those comments is that you assume that something's wrong with your body because it looks different than her body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so- it's so good to point out the other side of that because I feel like a lot of times we just get the examples um, of the negative impacts on body size. And when we're in conversation like this, they're usually directed about, you know, fat shaming and fat phobic comments. But any comment about any body size, a thin body, a middle sized body, a large body, like it's all making you think about your body. And I really appreciate you being able to speak into that from, um, you know, coming from a thin body. Mm -hmm. Well, what I learned is that pain doesn't know a size. Mm, That's so good. So true. Because I mean, a lot of women will actually tell me like, wow, just you're so pretty. I can't even believe that you would struggle with this. Like, why would you even struggle with that? And I'm like, well, why do you struggle? Mm -hmm. I mean, we all carry these beliefs because of our past and the situations that we've experienced as we're walking out the sanctification process of becoming more like Jesus, right? And so we all carry this baggage previous um, of now we have to renew our mind to this truth of what we once was a lie that we believed for so long. And I think that that's important. That pain doesn't know a size. So whether they're petite or big or small, they could look in the mirror and go, wow, I'm so fat. And you could look at them and criticize them, but not realize the pain that they really do experience. And so it really does go either side, but just recognizing pain doesn't have a size. I'm really interested, Jessica, because you said like right when you met Jesus, yeah. when you were starting your business mm-hmm. in fitness, um, and then you talk about how, you know, you were, you were finding your worth in business and fitness. And at the same time, you were getting to know the Lord and learning there. So I'm really interested, like, how those two things paralleled, how, like, I'm sure that there was some battle in that. And, and what was the moment when you realized, you know, I'm making this business my God? Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny. I always tell people, I'm like, my life didn't really change after I knew Jesus. I didn't have this discipleship program, right? I was just kind of like, okay, let's go to church. Let's tie somewhat, you know, kind of the Christian checklist sort of thing to do. Uh, I was a cherry picker. I just kind of opened up, read a scripture. Never. I mean, it took me, I don't even know, a couple of years to read like a full chapter, a full book. And that's just being honest because it was like this process. I'm like, what does this look like? What am I supposed to be doing? Is this it? Like I got water baptized and stuff but there was no discipleship. So for me, my life didn't really change much. I just kept living, so to speak. And it was these tiny, like 
things that the Lord would bring. And then that's when my spiritual father, probably about two years in is when the, my spiritual father came into the picture. <clears throat> he was at first my business mentor, then he became like my spiritual father. And he just was like, Jess, what the heck are you doing? Like kind of thing. Um, but he had permission to do that. So he was kind of the first man in my life to speak over me, the truth of God, what I was doing, um, the things I wasn't doing right. Because since he had that inroad, he could speak all these things with love and kindness, and I was able to receive them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, I just with a fitness business, I cared so much about what my body looked because I thought that was going to help my business. And that's what so many fitness people believe now. Well, if I lose the weight first, then I can have a successful business. And we correlate what our body looks like to the success that we earn in business or fitness or whatever, you know, even with like having a podcast like this, well, you must've just been over it and you can intuitively eat perfectly. And, you know, it's like this idea that what you put out is like this, it's perfect and it's just not. And I continued to pursue and the weight I lifted was never heavy enough, no matter how I looked. And I just needed bigger muscles and more. And I was tired all the time. I mean, I was living on pre-workout because it was the cool thing to do back then. I feel like 10 years ago, it was like, everybody was doing pre-workout. At least I was in that fitness realm, right? Like it was like all the pre-workouts. And it's not bad. I'm not saying that, but it like caffeine in the pre-workouts and being in the gym for two hours at a time because it was kind of social time plus workout time. And I'm thinking, what was I doing with my life? Two hours a day in the gym. What? Now I do like 20 to 30 minutes at home. And I'm like, I can't even do more than that, you know? But I had this moment where I was coming up from a back squat. And it was a back squat that I've done, the weight I've done many times before. And my hips gave out. And I think something happened with my disc. But by the time the end of the day, I could not. I was in so much pain, I could not walk. And I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, nobody's going to like me. And I think that was a pivotal moment for me of like, I put all of who I was in what I look like and what my body looked like. Because, you know, when no matter what you're going through, no matter what kind of eating disorder or trying to overcome, it's if soon as you stop that workout eating way, you're going to think I'm going to gain weight. It's one of the first things like my body is going to change overnight. All my muscles is going to be gone. All that weight I lost is going to come back. And we believe that. And so I had to work through that myself of realizing, wow, like all of who I was, was in what my body looked like. So that was a very pivotal moment for me. Yeah. We have a very similar experience there. That's kind of how God showed me that that was my idol as well by taking it away, making my body unable to do it. Mm. Yeah. so I know what that felt like for me. Yeah. And that was like years of like working through depression. And um, what did that look like? What did your conversations with God look like in that time? Yeah, I think I'm pretty stubborn because a lot of the, th- I just know that. And I, my pride can get in the way. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. Uh, but for me, it took a little, it was like, again, another journey of really this undoing of like, why does this matter so much? Why do I care? And then you look back and you go, well, these comments that people said, well, you just wait till you get older because then you're going to have childbearing hips. And so for me, to not work out, to not do these things was a fear of gaining weight because of what would come with gaining weight. I thought this negative connotation, right? Because that's what it's perpetuated. Um, And so it was quite the journey for me to get to this point of recognition, like the awareness to be able to come through on the healing side, because I would say the working out lightened up, but the food got worse. So it was just transition. And it got to a point where I even remember my husband saying, it was probably a year into our marriage or so, maybe before we even married, but he had said like, pretty soon you're not going to have any food to eat. Cause it was like no gluten, no dairy, no grains, no da, 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 da. And I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, I was afraid to eat bananas cause they had too many carbs. And you see these ads just pop up on Facebook and social media And, you know, don't eat this because it has too much sugar. And so sooner or later, you're not listening to your body or the Holy Spirit. And you're listening to everybody else tell you what you should be eating. And they don't even know you. Mm -hmm. So it was a journey nonetheless. Remember what that felt like, Erin, to just be like terrified of foods? Yeah. 
Yeah, I was in the same camp of like what's left to eat. Yeah. And it was it was small. It was yeah. really small. Um I don't I'm so amazed and um happy for you that you could hear your husband when he said that. I don't know that I could have heard that. That's uh that's a gift. That's a special moment right there. I love that. He said yeah. that to you. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably took me again this year of like another year or so, just like okay, well, what does it look like? I'm afraid to eat eggs because that can cause inflammation. Because it was, again, the whole, it was like the gut thing. You can't have these foods. You need to stay away from this. And then, I mean, grains, they're terrible for you. And we just have so many moral obligations with food that we don't even realize of like putting all these emotions on food and rules. And people don't even know why they're doing it. That's what I love about when I work with women. I'm like, why can't you eat past seven? Like, I don't know. I just heard that. And I'm like, who'd you hear it from? You know, like if you're starving, but you're listening to a rule that you can't eat past seven, just try Does it make you feel gross? And don't, don't eat up past seven. But if you're just doing it because somebody told you to do it, then you're just listening to man. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, I love to be able to poke people with questions like that because so many of us, myself included, before I started doing this undoing work, I loved how you described that, unlearning all of these rules and asking, where did this even come from? Like it is, it's a process to go through that because Mm -hmm. as soon as you maybe work through one or have somebody speak to you and say, what about the seven o'clock rule or what, why are there no foods left? Then you've got the next layer of it to get through and the next layer and the next layer. And, um, you know, kind of unraveling all of that and facing the fears is, um, you know, it's very difficult and challenging work. Yeah. I mean, like what, what would be like, what's the advice you have for somebody that is facing uh, a food fear or facing a fear of weight gain? Like, how do you, how did you work through that fear? What can you speak into Mm -hmm. that? I think a big one that I talk with women about is this idea of trusting your body. Because if you think your body is against you, then it will never be for you. And that means that no matter what you eat, no matter what you do, you just think that, well, there's this causation, right? Well, if I eat this. And I realized too, that since our mind is so powerful and it follows in you, your mind and your body, your body will believe whatever your mind tells it, so to speak. And for me, I would, I would always meditate. I'm like, okay, I'm going to feel so bloated after I eat this. And I would just constantly think about that to the point of, even if I wasn't necessarily bloated, I would believe I was bloated because, well, I told myself for hours before I was going to eat that, that it was going to make me bloated. Right. And so I think me walking through this process of one, I had to pay attention to my relationship with food. It's one of the biggest questions I ask, like, how is your relationship with food? Do you view your food as bad, good? Do you label it? What's your view of your body? Because one thing I always like to tell women is your view of God will dictate your relationship with God. Therefore, it also dictates your relationship with your body. So if you don't think that God is good or you think that he's punishing you, you're never going to look at your body as good. You're always going to look at your body as this thing that you have to like um, fight against versus partner with. And so if we're always fighting against our body, we're never in sync with our body. Therefore, our mind and our body are always like, what's going on? We're trying to connect, but we can't because you're doing one thing and we're trying to you know, work this out. Um, and that again, just comes with layers. Uh, but I think with the healing, it's just asking yourself and going there, like, what's the worst that can happen? Because sometimes our minds need to allow ourselves to go there. So if you eat this banana, what's the worst that could happen? You might feel bloated for a few days, but then you can note that and go, okay, let me hold off on bananas for a little bit, but start with one thing that you've been afraid of or that you've been told and start with those lies, you know, just writing them down or start with one food that you've been afraid to eat and Mm -hmm. just welcome it back in a little bit and see how that goes, you know, little by little, not a lot you know, cause it's very overwhelming for somebody that has been afraid of food for so long to think about eating something that has grains or dairy or bread, you know, cause that's been the devil for a long time, um, to be able to do that. But recognizing the lies about diet culture has been huge for women that I work with of like, Hey, why do you believe that? What are your, your views of food? What's your views of diet culture? Why do you do like, what's your eating patterns and why do you do that? 
And if you can come to the conclusion that you do that for you and your body, cause it feels good. That's great. But if you're saying, well, this doctor told me this and this and that, and you start pulling from all these Instagram accounts and then you should start to go, okay, ah, this could be a starting point for me of like, why do I believe this? Why do I do this? Mm-hmm. And go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Recognizing the lies of diet culture and like just having eyes to see it. And then as soon as I invited that process and started that kind of critical thinking component, I could see it everywhere. Okay. <laughs> yes. And it, you know, like that's a good thing, but then you got to work through all of that and get through yeah. that water. And it's very um, challenging. So I really appreciate your practical advice of kind of just taking it one, one little step at a time, one food at a time, one experience at a time. I think that really helps to build trust too, because as you do that, you're kind of pushing your comfort zone there and seeing "Hmm, it's not so bad. Like I didn't die from this banana. I felt pretty good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I felt full or I'm still hungry or, you know, of kind of reconnecting your mind back to your body. And then, so we want to speak kind words over our bodies, you know? I always love going back to the love chapter in the Bible, even though it's wedged in between spiritual gifts and he's talking about really how to be um, kind and loving to somebody else. But we can look at that and go, am I kind to my body? Am I patient with my body? You know, does it, does my body endure all things? Do I have hope in my body? We can take that scripture and really apply this kind of not loving myself, but I can only be kind to myself and love on myself because of the love of Christ has, you know, showed me so. Yeah, I really liked what you said too, that like our perception of God or, you know, determines like how we experience God and just thinking about, you know, often people relate to God, however they related to their earthly father. Yeah. Um, And so God can be scary and punishing or, you know, who knows what that is. Um, And it's really encouragement to get in the word and learn God's character Um, and the same thing goes with like the diet culture when we're saying, posing the questions of, okay, why do I believe these things? Why do I believe that it's wrong to have a big body or, you know, whatever those things are and what's actually the truth? Like, what does God say about bodies? What does God say about food? Um, and digging into that source with the Holy spirit, to get to know him, yeah. get to know what he says about his creation and um, how he encourages us to live. Yeah. No, I think that's good. And something I always like to to say as well is, you know, when I, we talk about freedom in Christ and we talk about, you know, being free with food and not having to be chained to it. I, I always like to say, it's not an excuse to have spiritual laziness either, you know, cause we're always like, your body shape doesn't define you, but we still have to take care of our bodies, Mm -hmm. right? We don't just get to use the grace card and then have spiritual laziness and lack discipline. And so there's like a little bit of tough love there is we're still called to steward our finances, our relationship, our business and our bodies. Well, not because it's this like law, but because what happens when we do, we have energy to take care of our kids. We have energy to do the call that he has for us. You know, we feel equipped to be able to go and strong to be able to to get on the plane or play with our kids or whatever to do this call. Um, And so they go both go hand in hand with each other. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the difference between if you're trying to earn love through all these behaviors and habits and earn worthiness and earn acceptance through being a good steward, and then we've got a disconnect, we've got a problem. But if you recognize that you are fully loved and accepted just as you are now, no matter what you do, that's grace, and you're you're accepting grace, from like truly accepting grace and knowing Christ, you want to be a good steward of things. You want to do what he's calling you to do. Um, you don't want to abuse that grace, right? Mm-hmm. Which um, de- definitely something I've gone through, I will say. Like th- there's definitely been times when I've been like, well, grace. Um, <laughs> and 
you know, I think that there's grace for that too, right? And us like working through that and and growing through that. But I think what is born out of a growing relationship with Christ and fully understanding your worth and value in what he did on the cross is a desire to be a good steward. Mm-hmm. Is a des- the fruits of the spirit, right, are born out of that. Um so it's this it's a huge heart check of am I doing these things to earn my worth and love and or am I doing these things out of mm-hmm. that love and acceptance? Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. It's just a place of identity truly and that's hard cuz uh something that we often do is well we love God but we don't let him love on us. Mm-hmm. And that's the big disconnect between the pain, what we experience in this world. How can a God love me? Why would he want to love me? Here's all the things that I've done. Uh, and that's where our view of God really takes root because how we view God, if he thinks he's still punishing us for our sins, well, we we punish ourselves through our sins. Let's just be honest. You know, like we do put ourselves through things and mm-hmm. it's not the devil. It's just us making choices. But I, I completely agree that it's identity based, that root of who do I believe God is and where is this love coming from? Like, am I letting him love on me through this? It is a joy to share this message of intuitive eating for Christian women with you. Charlie and I have so much fun creating podcast episodes and resources to teach you the principles of intuitive eating, specifically through a biblical lens. And the reality is it costs us something to put out this podcast. We can't spread this message of revival without the help of women like you. If you find value in what we're creating, would you prayerfully consider supporting the podcast by becoming a monthly member? For $10 a month, you can support Intuitive Eating for Christian Women by joining our membership program. In the membership program, you'll get access to our members-only resource library, which includes the Health at Every Size book club resources, including 12 weeks of content. And you get an invite to our exclusive brand new members only monthly coffee dates. These are monthly Zoom calls where we pray together and share our intuitive eating journeys with Jesus. These coffee dates are for you if you're looking for more interaction, fellowship, and accountability. You can check out all the details on becoming a monthly member by visiting our podcast website, intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash support. That's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com slash support. Now back to the episode. Yeah. So I'm really curious, um, you knowing God and who he is and, and that grace and how has that transformed what you view as health now. So when you think of how you're living your life healthfully, mindfully, like what does what does it look like now? Because I think we have a good picture <laughs> of what it looked like 10 years ago, right? Yeah. And we all that's that yeah. diet culture way of like what healthy means. Um, but what does it mean to you now? Yeah. I think for me, uh, I eat dairy and I have grains occasionally. Uh, just because grains don't, I don't really like grains. I'm not a huge like rice person, but I'll eat it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have will have gluten, you know, occasionally. So, needless to say, I have food, and it's not. I'm not going to say that there's not times where the enemy does come in or this pain, this pass of like, do you really need to eat that? Are you afraid to eat that? Why are you afraid? Are you afraid of the calories? Are you afraid of the carbs? Because that was another thing. Keto came in right? Carbs were the enemy and everybody wanted to not eat carbs. And no, like if you love keto, great. I hate even naming diets, but you know, it's like these, these rules that come with every single way of eating. And so then carbs, you know, were bad and not good and all that stuff. And for me now, uh, I can enjoy the sweet treat, whether it's gluten-free or dairy-free because it's, it's, like a part of the atmosphere where we're, we're gathering or celebration or whatever, you know, I love celebrating with food personally. And they're like, Hey, you know, you're not 
a dog, you don't need a treat to celebrate or whatever. And I hate those lines because like, if you love to celebrate with food, celebrate with food, you know, like there's even rules about that. You know, you're not a dog or we don't like I'm talking about those comments that they say. I've never Um, heard that before. And I am so irritated right now. There's like these comments, like, you know, don't you're, I don't even know how it goes, but something like you're, you don't need to treat yourself with celebration or something. so frustrating. And let me just say that all over the Bible, they celebrate with food. Yeah. I mean, they're eating bread and all that stuff. But for me, I love to sit down at a movie, like in the, we're watching movies, my husband and I, and having like my favorite crunchy snack or whatever. That's like something that I enjoy. But now that's kind of what I do. My tendency is to freedom swing the other way now because I'm like, oh, I can just eat. I call it the freedom swing, right? Where we get, we're free in Christ, right? Through grace. But the other side is I'm so free. I can just eat whatever I want. Uh, And so sometimes I can tend to bend the other way. And I don't want to even say gluttony, but too much of snacking, you know, but anyways, to sum it up, I've been able to walk through this process of eating dairy, paying attention. Okay. I had too many dairy, too many days in a row. I feel a little swollen. Um, you know, certain things like that, that I'll feel, or I'll just notice it, or my genes will fit different. That's kind of what I base my, (laughs) base my way of things of feeling is on my genes of like tightness and stuff. What other aspects of, of health are you, are you looking at? Oh yeah. So for me, I really focus on spirit, soul, body. So I always tell women, uh, that every health, like everybody will look different, healthy, but everybody needs to address their spirit, soul, body to be healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I focus women on because I got really passionate about that because I realized we can't just change what we eat, but we have to change how we eat. And that's our soul, which is our mind, will, and our emotions, right? And then our spirit, that's our identity. I mean, that's reading the word of God, spirit to spirit, right? And so all of that plays into how my physical body feels because mm-hmm. if I think it's trash, if I'm if I'm stressed all the time, what are we going to feel? We might feel fatigue. We'll get a headache. We can't ignore our thoughts. So that's really our soul, and then our body, which is our physical part, that kind of is the the ride along, and our spirit, which is the word of God. Yeah, I think that. Well, I think there's a lot of like new agey stuff that's coming in that's talking about spirit and mm-hmm. and stuff like that in the yeah. health area. Um, but I think that, you know, for many, many years, health has just been focused on the physical. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, and you've got to look at your mental health. You've got to look at your spiritual health and how, you know, and your, your social health and how all of those things really play together. Um, and if you put too much emphasis on one and not the other, that's when you get out of balance somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Cause oftentimes if somebody's binging that I'm talking to or emotional eating, it's not the food. That's the problem. It's they have really strained relationships mm-hmm. and so, or childhood or talking to their sisters triggers them or their mom or their dad, which is again. So the binging, the eating is the fruit of what's happening at the root. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it's important to address the emotional and the spiritual because it affects the physical and it changes our actions as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, for the longest time just operated under that concept of like the food was the issue and like the revelation of it's not even about that. It's about what's in your heart. <laughs> it blew my mind in in the best way. I really love what you said that everybody will look different, healthy. I think that is, um, such an important thing to say. And I I just wanted to repeat it. I love that very much. Yeah. And well, I'm thinking of like all these different ways that everybody looks different, healthy, right? Like your body might look different, healthy, but also like the way you spend your time might look different. The, like your social life, like we're all created so differently in all these different ways, you know, like an extrovert, their healthy is going to be spending lots of time around people for an introvert. They're going to be spending less time around people. So we always want these like cookie cutter. Give me this, give me this list, this infographic on Pinterest that tells me how to live my life. That will be healthy. Um, 
but it's different for everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it's in all the different parts of your life, how you find healthy, what's, what's healthy for your family, what's healthy for the way you're raising your kids. There's, there's the truth in the Bible. There's things that like God, you know, spells yeah. out for us plain and clear. Like these are, these are the ways to do these things, but there's so much room of how God works in, in each of us and the things he calls us to. And the, the, there's all these little details that God gives us freedom to choose and yeah. he gives us these different personalities um, to live life in different ways. So mm-hmm. saying healthy looks different for everyone. is just in every area of your life, it's going to look different mm-hmm. than other people. Yeah. I was just thinking about, you know, Romans 12, two talks about, you know, renewing your mind and not being conformed to the world, but be transformed. And I think that um, if we're not being transformed by the word of God, then we're being conformed to the world. Mm-hmm. And that happens when we try to compare and that's when we get unhealthy because we're looking at all the things that she's doing to take care of herself mm-hmm. that we're so far disconnected from what do I even like to do? And that was huge for me because if I asked myself and somebody asked me, what do you like to do for fun? Just like 10 years ago, I wouldn't know because mm-hmm. I just knew work. I knew exercising and I knew work. So having fun was I don't even why I don't even know what that is. You know, you know, I thought this was fun. Am I isn't I teaching? You know, I'm taking exercise classes. And I think that that's huge is if we don't define what it is for us, right? Those joy moments, what it is to be healthy for us, um, then we're just chasing something else or so being conformed by somebody else or trying to conform to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So how did you or how did the Lord walk you through? figuring out what that was for you because the, the spirit, soul, body revelation, like looking at the whole picture of health. Um, I mean, I'm assuming that's not a message you got from Instagram. (laughs) I haven't seen it there. Yeah. (laughs) Short of, short of your account or (laughs) Charlie's, you know, it's like, you're not getting that. So how did you come to understand it and see health in this more individualized, personal, um, Mm -hmm. holistic kind of view? Uh, there's a scripture in first Thessalonians 5 23 that talks about may your whole spirit, soul, and body be blameless. And I said under my, actually our pastor three years ago, before it became a church, we were just doing Bible study with him and really started to hone in on this concept because what I began to understand is that each part spirit, soul, body plays a different role in our life, but we often soul, spirit, mind, heart. And you start to think, well, are they all the same? Right. And what happened when I started to learn under my pastor, all these different things of like, here's a spirit. It's really, it's you communing with the God. It's our innermost part. We can't see our spirit. We can, we can feel the effects of our spirit, but we can't feel our spirit. Right. We have our soul, which is our mind, will, and our emotions. So that's our thoughts, everything we think on, our will, our free choice. Um, it can be summed up as our personality as well. And then you have your body, which is your physical part, but each play a role. So we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. And when we understand how each operates, then, I mean, it completely also transforms the way you read scripture because you hear soul all the time in scripture, but you also see spirit. And so knowing the difference between spirit and soul, and they're very different, Mm -hmm. it changes the way you read scripture and you begin to see how it impacts your body. I mean, I, my friends know it, my best friend, she, it's funny because as soon as she starts speaking against her identity or she starts saying something, I usually slap her. And it's so funny. It's like this thing now I actually like will hit her, but I'm so aware (laughs) of like how our thoughts affect our body. I mean, it's just the reality. If you say you're sick all the time, you're going to be sick. You cannot disconnect your mind from your body because your mind's in your body and your body's basically creating a feedback loop from your mind to your body, body to mind. And once we realize that it changes us, that's where the spirit comes in the word of God. We got a brand new spirit, a new nature receiving Christ, right? So our old nature is gone. So we have a new nature, but we have an unrenewed mind, which is why it tells us constantly 
to be renewed. Our older man is passing away, but we're being renewed day by day inside. So hopefully that made sense. Yeah, definitely. What are some of your practices that you like to do that help you get into that, that rhythm of the constant renewing of the mind? Yeah. Journaling. That's honestly, I journal morning and night typically. So it helps me in the morning, whenever I'm like, you know, and then at night, whenever the day's gone, whatever thoughts I had throughout the day, what I struggled with, I'll typically write down um, because there's something about taking it from your brain to the paper and seeing it to be able to bring awareness. Cause when you're aware of something, it's more pliable. So your conscious thoughts, when you're constantly thinking of something, it's like Play-Doh. It's more moldable. You can mold it into whatever you'd like, which is really that process of renewing your mind. So in those moments of being conscious of your thoughts, you're able to actually renew your mind easier because you're aware of what you're thinking and you're bringing truth to it in that moment versus not really thinking about it and reacting and responding. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. So good. I have, so I have this example that like, I have to share that you're making me think about, um, with like what you're thinking, totally impacting the other parts of your body. And when I, um, so I took a long break from exercise cause it was just, I could like, in order to separate it from diet culture, that's what I had to do. Yeah. And when I started like, Well, and then I started moving like yoga and walking and things like that. And it took me a long time to give myself permission to like work out, lift weights and things like that again, because I felt like if I did that, I was going back to diet culture Mm -hmm. and I, I had to really process of like, actually, I really enjoyed that. And like, I can see how like lifting weights will help me kayak better and like all these different things. So it was a long process of my brain to get back to like, I'm going to give myself permission to like lift weights. And I decided to do it with a personal trainer because I didn't want to have to figure out what to do on my own. I just wanted to go and have fun. And, um, I found such a fun, like God ordained personal trainer for, for me. Um, and we started working together and, Oh my gosh, it was so hard for me mentally, like remembering where I once was Mm. and now where I was. And I mean, I was just constantly fighting thoughts of this is embarrassing. Like I'm so bad, like I'm not good anymore. And, and like joke, like making jokes about myself and, um, we'd be doing something and I would like need a break and I would stop and I would say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, because I wanted to like do good and like keep going. And, uh, you know, he started saying to me, like, stop saying that you're sorry. And I, then I would notice like, oh my gosh, I go down this, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry thing. And then like the shame comes in and then I just want to quit. Like my body's exhausted and I just want to be done. And like, we've been working together for a couple of years now. And I really started working on that. Like, stop, think, just like change, change your break. Like, it's okay to take a break. You have nothing to apologize here for. And so what kind of happened is I just started with, instead of saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I would say, okay, you can. Okay, you can. Okay, you can. Mm -hmm. And it was like that break. It gave me the break. And like the mental toughness, and then I could keep going again. And like now we laugh about it because he'll just see the look on my face and he'll start saying it for me. Okay, you can. Okay, you can. (laughs) Yeah. And it just, it completely changes the way my body feels while I'm exercising, like the way, like if it feels fun or if it feels like work. And like all I did was change the way I thought about needing to take a break. Yeah, it's true. And even if you go in thinking, oh, I'm so tired. This workout is going to be so bad. Guess what? If you're thinking the whole time how tired you are, you're going to come out of that workout tired. You know, I mean, it, it's it's so true about those moments. Yeah. And there's a difference of like, I I mean, like I'm almost six months pregnant and I'm exhausted. <laughs> and like, yeah, the, the workouts are getting hard, girl. And yeah. like, I can go into it like I am tired and my body hurts and 
I'm going to do what I can today and it'll be fun. And it's good. Like, I know I'll feel good afterwards and I'll be happy I did it, but I'm dropping that expectation of Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. And this workout has to be just as good as the last one or better. Or, you know, like just accept, like, I can listen to my body. My body's tired today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let it take many breaks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm completely 100% there with you. Listening to your body is one of the hardest things. And we say that often, but a lot of women are like, how do you do that? And that comes with the slowness. And I always say, to be slow is to be kind. And you know, culture doesn't tell us to be slow. It tells us to do more mm-hmm. and it tells us to be fast and quick. Oh, so good. So I think slowness is kindness. And I've had to learn that for the last two years, really hard, like slow and steady in business relationships develop. I mean, all of it, when you think about it, it takes time. I was just journaling last night that like even two of my closer friends that I talk with about business and life and writing, I've known them for like, six years plus, but it's taken so much time to get to that more intimate personal level and anything good takes time. And we, we hear that, but we hate that, Mm -hmm. you know, like we hate it at the same time because culture says more quick, fast, pick up your phone, instant gratification, Ooh, instant Mm non-gratification, uh, you know, with things like that. And so I think it's important to recognize that slowness is kindness. So. Uh, That's so good. I really, I love that. that. That's just permission for everybody to go slow on their journey of healing, even of healing, like even of that, everybody wants to be done and healed. And it's like the process of letting God in and letting him renew your mind and then letting that come through your body and change how you're living. Like that is, (laughs) I mean, I believe in miracles, but y'all to process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can do it in a miracle, but he's going to let the process sanctify you as that's happening. So like yeah. embrace slow. And I love um, to be slow is to be kind, Jessica. That was beautiful. Yeah. Goodness. And I, it does take time. And especially if you've come from a doctrine that's harmful, mm-hmm. uh, again, your view of God dictates your relationship with God. And your relationship with God dictates everything else you do in this world, how you believe, how you show up. Um, and so really getting to the root of that, like, who do you believe God is? What's stealing your identity or what are you giving your identity to? And who, what is the nature of God apart from what you feel? Those are the three things I typically walk women through when it comes to identity. Like you have to figure out who God is to you, meaning like, what do you view him as now? And then you have to actually go, what, who is he? Not, you know, looking at it through your feelings or what you want it to be. And then you have to recognize, well, what am I giving my identity to? And so those three pieces kind of go together to this foundation of this root. So. So good. So Jessica, I know everybody's going to want to uh, connect with you. So can you tell, uh, tell us where, where you are online, about your podcast, all your, your books, everything. Yeah. So I have a fourth book coming out this fall, which I'm really excited about. Uh, I haven't announced the title yet or the cover, but it's coming soon. And then uh, you can, wherever you're listening to this podcast now, you can go hang out with me on my podcast called What's the Truth. And I love hanging out on Instagram at Jessica Hoddle. Awesome. Well, before uh, before we wrap up, we like, we like to lighten the mood a little bit. I, I love the heavy identity purpose and like, reinventing health and reclaiming it conversations. We love that, but we want to, we want to leave it on a lighter note and just kind of get to know you a little bit more. Um, so we always start with the classic question of coffee or tea and how do you take it? Uh, tea, decaffeinated tea and just plain, very seldom do I add honey or anything. Okay. What, yeah. what kind of tea? Black tea? Um, no. So typically a throat coat tea or something that I'm in the mood for, like there's some relaxed mind or digestion. So like lemon ginger, it just depends like on the mood, but I mix a couple, like I'll do like lemon and apple cider vinegar and hot water too. So I think it just depends, but my husband is a coffee drinker. Um, so he, he's the one that loves tea and coffee. So, but I'm tea, decaf tea. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Would you rather sit down and read a book or listen to an audio book? Read a book for sure. 
I was like, this is, this just made me think of this is the difference between like slow and fast, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this is so random, but like, what's your favorite restaurant chain? Like uh, a chain restaurant? Well, I am not a huge like dine-in person. Pers- my husband loves it, but I'm not. I'm like, let's go home so I can eat in my PJs. But my favorite, <laughs> my like favorite boneless wings are Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, you just can't beat them. So, oh, my, that's my husband's favorite thing. Like, <laughs> love it. Yeah. Um, how are you spending your Saturdays right now? Uh. <laughs> I feel like now, right now, because, well, it's just starting to get warm out here in Pennsylvania. But like this Saturday, uh, I literally did nothing. So basically like walking and doing nothing, but maybe watching a movie or something. And like, so my cycle was coming. So I felt that like hit me hard. And I was like, yeah, we're not doing anything today. So pretty much reading nothing or we'll do like biking and stuff on Saturdays. Cause my husband kind of works half a day. So okay. yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Where are you at in Pennsylvania? Uh, I didn't grow up here. So I'm like by yeah. Pittsburgh though. I'm oh, like okay. a, shortly outside sides. of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Okay. We're on opposite sides. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the last movie that made you cry We watch movies all the time, but I don't even know. Mm, I I honestly don't know. That's okay. I don't know. I watch a lot of like, I love the like fighter movies. We like, I don't know, the Hunger Games feel are like my kind of people, okay. divergent kind uh-huh. of things. Um, sci-fi-ish are my, it kind of escapes me escaping from reality for a minute. Like- I feel like it's becoming our reality. I shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Last no, few months, I've been like, "Is this the Hunger Games?" Because I, feel- I know. <gasps> Should I prepare for this? <laughs> yeah. Um, the strangest thing you've ever eaten. Mm. That's not a good question for me because I don't eat anything strange. Like I, <laughs> I, my husband will eat anything, and I'm still like the seventh, like you know, the seven year old that's like, "Give me chicken nuggets," but. Uh-huh. I am such a picky eater. I'll smell it. And I'm like, nope, won't even try it. Like, I am so bad. My best friend, like, everybody's like, oh, my gosh. But I I pretty stick to normal food. So, like, okay. I am not a strange eater. My husband will eat anything. Ugh, I just can't. Give yourself to do it. I don't eat sushi. I don't eat any of that. So. Okay. I love that you deferred to smell on that. That's so, um, that's so interesting yeah. and cool. Yeah. So, I'm. I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> Smell and texture. If it's going to be gooey, I just can't. <laughs> That's Slimy. such a good plug for just like whatever you like, whatever is your thing. Like that. I love yeah. that. Thank you for, <laughs> it's okay to be a big eater. <laughs> yep. Yep. Aaron, what's the strangest thing you've ever eaten? <laughs> oh, I should have been thinking ahead on this. I was just so enjoying the smell comment. I, I know I've eaten some weird stuff and I just, um, hmm. I can't think of it right now. I'm having to think on this all day. And it's also a challenge. It's like, all right, I need to eat something weird that I've never eaten before. <laughs> yes, Just I challenge you all. Say I've done it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Oh, this is fun, Jessica. Thank you for spending some time with us today and just sharing your story. I, you've got so much wisdom and it's just such a gift to sit and have this conversation with you. So thank you for being here. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. Yeah. Could you close this in prayer, please? Yeah, of course. Dearly Father, thank you so much for this conversation. Father, I just pray into the women that are listening to this, um, no matter what season or time they are in their life, Father, that you bring healing, that you're the healer, that um, I just pray against any any chains or shackles that women feel right now um, with their food, with their body, Father, that you create their bodies and you only create good things. Therefore, they are good. Their body is good. Their body is not against them, Father, that they would hear this message and receive it, um, that the pillars and the walls that are on their hearts um, that have been formed through pain or um, just those feelings of unworthiness, Father, that this podcast would speak truth to their pain, that they would feel seen, feel heard, and feel known, not by us, but by you, Father. 
Um, And we just thank you for the way that you love us, continue to love us, and that we can step into healing and not be afraid of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you love the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast and are ready to go deeper in your journey by taking an online course, be sure to check out our various programs and resources over on our website, intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. Get ready to find the online course that's right for your intuitive eating journey with Jesus. These resources and courses will help you learn more about intuitive eating and grow in faith. Go check it out on our website, intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. Again, that's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com. Click on the shop tab at the top and navigate to online courses. This podcast was produced by Oh Shoot Productions and made possible by the grace of God and the support of women like you. Thank you for being a part of the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women community. We'll see you in the next episode.